everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pratica, TV voice of the Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is episode 42 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind, right in the middle of the NBA playoffs. Grizzlies eliminating the Minnesota Timberwolves in six games, and they now face the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference semifinals. We will recap game six in Minnesota, game one in Memphis against the Warriors. That will be in That Was the Week That Was. Of course, some PD's points to talk about. And we welcome back a repeat friend of the program. He's Jared Greenberg. You know him as a host and sideline reporter for NBA TV and the NBA on TNT. Jared's a good friend. Had an opportunity to work with him several times uh, during the Las Vegas Summer League. Uh, very well connected. Knows everybody in the league and uh, has great insight And uh, he has been assigned by Turner Networks to be the uh, reporter for the Grizzlies series with Golden State. Uh, So even though uh, Sunday's game one was on ABC, Jared was in the building. He'll be uh, following the series throughout whether or not TNT is actually carrying the game. TNT will have Tuesday night's game with Ian Eagle and Jim Jackson uh, on the headsets. So we've got all that coming up. Really interesting conversation with Jared. Obviously, he's he's been around these two teams, uh, you know, and has been talking to players and coaches throughout. We will. Get, I talked to him before Game One. Uh, now uh, we just recorded a conversation where we talked about how Game One turned out. Obviously, uh, unhappily for the Memphis Grizzlies. Today's show is being brought to you as always by the Hoop City Basketball Club. I want to direct you to their website, HoopCityBC.com. They are starting uh, their signups for the summer basketball camps. Uh, boys and girls ages 5 to 14, price is $295, but they do have an early bird discount if you register by May 29th. Uh, the camp dates, May 31st to June 3rd, June 13th to the 16th, June 27th through the 30th, July 11th through the 14th, and August 1st through the 4th. So if you have any questions, you want to enroll your young boy or young girl in these camps, Look, they almost always sell out. So if you want to take advantage of the early bird discount and make sure that your kid has a spot in one of the Hoop City Basketball uh, Club camps, make sure that you get to HoopCityBC.com and you can get all the details. You can uh, figure out uh, what camp is appropriate for your child, uh, what location is best, what works with your calendar, et cetera, et cetera. So go, go to HoopCityBC.com and uh, go ahead and get your young person signed up. All right, let's get, to, uh, let's get down to brass tacks here, and uh, let's get to that was the week that was. So game six, Friday night in Minneapolis, and look, the Grizzlies had – made a little cottage industry out of falling down with uh, with big deficits against Minnesota. First quarter, Grizzlies played one of their better quarters uh, of the series with the exception of five turnovers, had nine assists on 11 baskets. Grizzlies made six threes in the period. Desmond Bain continuing to shoot well on the road, three of four from three, a 13-point first quarter from Dez and Dylan Brooks with 10 in the first quarter. John Morant, 0 for 4 from the floor, but did have five assists to just one turnover. But again, Minnesota outscoring the Grizzlies in the first quarter, 29-28. So Minnesota would have to lead after one quarter. Minnesota obviously trying to stay alive. Grizzlies trying to put them away. Brandon Clark shows up big in the second quarter, 10 points in the period. 
Anthony Edwards finished the first half with 20. He had 16 in the first quarter as he was he was virtually unstoppable in the first quarter. And uh, at halftime, it's 52-49. And yes, Minnesota has the lead. Uh, this was a game where the Grizzlies were not getting to the free throw line. They were minus five in free throw attempts. Way too many turnovers for the Grizzlies in the first half. They had 10 turnovers to just six for Minnesota. But bear in mind that in the regular season, Minnesota led the league in forced turnovers and points off of opponent turnovers. So not all unusual there, although in the series, in the first five games, the Grizzlies had the better of the turnover story. Uh, Grizzlies would turn it over five more times in the third quarter. And this is when things started to get a little dark for the Grizzlies. Um, Jaden McDaniels was having himself a career game. He had 10 points in the first half, seven then in the third and Minnesota would go out to an 84-74 lead after three quarters after leading by as many as 13. And this was the part of the program where you're starting to think, okay, is the Grizzlies' magic going to run out? Grizzlies already had had two double-digit comebacks in the fourth quarter. In NBA playoff history, at least the play-by-play era where we can track these things, no team had ever had more than one double-digit comeback in the fourth quarter. The Grizzlies were going to need a third to end this series. Well, guess what? They got it. Um, Fourth quarter from John Morant. Six points in the fourth quarter. Uh, Dylan Brooks with with three more. But again, this was a matter of the Grizzlies just shooting the basketball very well. Also dominating on the glass. The Grizzlies a uh, 16-7. That's a 16-7 rebound margin. In the fourth quarter, Grizzlies finished with 17 offensive rebounds. Six of those came in the fourth quarter. Minnesota lost nine points off of turnovers. uh, And it was Edwards was seven in the period, but only three from Carl Anthony Towns. Minnesota shot just seven of 19 in the fourth quarter. And the Grizzlies go on to win it 114 to 106. Tyus Jones with a big three. Uh, and the Grizzlies take care of business, and they win it in six, 114-106 over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, more on the series when we get to Petey's points in a moment, but we're still rolling through game one then on Sunday afternoon. Grizzlies trying to replicate something that they had done 11 years ago, which was eliminate San Antonio in six on a Friday night. Yes, Friday night, April the 29th, okay, 2011. Um, Grizzlies were trying to replicate that. Because then remember, after they beat San Antonio in six, they had to get on a plane the next day and then go to Oklahoma City. And then they beat Oklahoma City. Grizzlies were trying to replicate it uh, exactly 11 years to the day. Came very, very close to doing this. You've all seen the highlights by now. Big call in the first half was the flagrant foul penalty two on Draymond Green. Steve Kerr starting an unusual lineup in that Draymond Green was the five. So it was Thompson, Wiggins, Green, Gary Payton the second, and Steph Curry. That was the starting five for Golden State. Steven Adams still out because of health and safety protocols for the Grizzlies. So obviously he was not available to them. The Grizzlies again start Xavier Tillman in the middle. Uh, Grizzlies got off to a great start. 32-24, they were leading after one quarter. Grizzlies would expand their lead uh, by the time halftime rolled around to 61 to 55. Third quarter is when things really went off the rails. Steph Curry drew two three-shot fouls, had an opportunity at a four-point play 
could not convert. It was part of a 9-0 run by Golden State to get in charge of the scoreboard. And again, the Grizzlies found themselves trailing this basketball game after they had led the majority of the first half. Steph Curry with 13 in the third. Jordan Poole, his big playoff coming out party, had 10 in the third. Story for the Grizzlies through three quarters, Jaron Jackson Jr. was absolutely fantastic. Had 14 in the third quarter, and the Grizzlies would go to the fourth quarter. They were down by one. Uh, As you saw the highlights, this was a situation where the Grizzlies uncharacteristically were beaten on the glass. It did end up with 16 offensive rebounds aside, but a lot of long rebounds for Golden State and Golden State with 26 second chance points. And they did this without one of their better rebounders, Draymond Green, who had been ejected with a flagrant foul penalty too in the first half. He finished with just four rebounds, but Jordan Poole and Otto Porter Jr. with eight rebounds apiece, both of them off the bench with their rebounding were huge in this one. Uh, we all know how this all turns out. Uh, Clay Thompson hits a three for a one-point lead, misses two free throws. Grizzlies had an opportunity. Morant well defended by Peyton and Thompson, fading away from the glass. A layup that I think everybody in the building expected him to make at the horn to give the Grizzlies the win. Instead, Golden State escapes 117 to 116. Jordan Poole, as I said, off the bench, was absolutely spectacular. An assist and two rebounds away from a triple-double. 31 points, eight boards, nine assists. Also had two blocks in the game. It spoiled a remarkable outing by Jaron Jackson Jr., 33-10, and 10, including six offensive rebounds, six of nine from three. So Jaron continued his strong play from game six in Minneapolis into game one. Unfortunately, not enough. Both teams had uh, double-digit leads in this game. Grizzlies led by as many as 13 early. And, of course, uh, Golden State then would get out to a 10-point lead. Grizzlies were able to reel them back in, but not able to finish the comeback, and they lose it. Uh, This was a ball game where the Grizzlies, quite frankly, were fortunate to be in it in that they were outshot by about five percentage points, which, you know, it, it, it just doesn't happen. Grizzlies were plus four in free throws attempted, and they were plus five in free throws made. Both teams turned the ball over uh, in the teens. Grizzlies 16 turnovers, Golden State 17 points off turnovers, dead even at 24 apiece. The big difference in this, Golden State much more effective in the paint. Golden State plus 12 in the paint. Second chance points, pretty much even. Fast break points, very, very even. Is this going to be an even series? Is this going to be a long series? Well, we'll talk about that with Jared Greenberg in a little bit. But right now, Grizzlies trail in the best of seven, one game to none, Tuesday night game, 8.30, national television on TNT with Ian Eagle, Jim Jackson, and the aforementioned Jared Greenberg. They will be the broadcast team for game two on Tuesday night in Memphis. Grizzlies, sense of urgency can't be any higher. They uh, were down 0-1 to Minnesota. They were able to win game two at home, eventually get control of the series. Golden State Warriors, a little bit tougher than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Intensity is going to be high for the Grizzlies. Desperation has to be high. You do not want to go to San Francisco down 0-2 to a Golden State Warriors team that's starting to figure some things out uh, as they get deeper into this playoff run. All right, with that, let's get now to some PD's points. Number one, let's talk about the Minnesota series. 
there were some people who were flabbergasted that the Grizzlies, as a two seed, needed six games to beat a seven seed Minnesota team. Look, before the series started, I said this was would be a seven game series, and the Grizzlies' home court advantage would be the tipping factor in this one. If you follow the NBA, and if you know these two teams, and if you looked at the regular season meetings, you had to know this was going to be a close series. Anybody who said, oh, Grizzlies in five, you're looking at a two versus a seven. Okay, I get that. Twos versus sevens, normally the twos are going to win. I get that. I understand that. But you had to look at the regular season meetings. You had to look at the matchups in order to understand why this was going to be a long series. Carl Anthony Towns is a matchup nightmare. Anthony Edwards is a 20-year-old who's playing like a 25-year-old. This was his first run through the playoffs, and he was fantastic in the series. The Grizzlies, they were kind of up and down. They were trying to figure out their lineup. Remember, they started Steven Adams in the first two games. Realized that wasn't going to work. And so now you're trying to, to backtrack and figure out, okay, what lineup is going to work against Carl Anthony Towns and this Minnesota team? I give a tremendous amount of credit to Chris Finch and his staff, which includes Elston Turner, who, of course, played his college basketball at Ole Miss, used to be on the Grizzlies staff. They came up with a great game plan. They had some really good out-of-bounds plays. And they got young guys who were playing very, very well. And they got role players like Jaden McDaniels in game six, very nearly won them the game. Jordan McLaughlin, fantastic, off the bench. This is the thing that Minnesota really lacks. They lack a true point guard. D'Angelo Russell, a subpar series, scoring-wise, decent, assist-wise. But he and Patrick Beverly, they're they're not really true point guards. They're kind of combo guards. And I really believe, until Minnesota figures out their point guard situation, they're probably going to struggle. They're going to try to figure out how they need to play. Minnesota... There were moments when they were absolutely brilliant and they it looked like they deserved to win the series. But the fact of the matter is you got to play 30 you had to play 48 minutes and Minnesota did a very good job of playing 36 minutes. And in the fourth quarter, and even Chris Finch, their head coach said, "Look, it's it's apparently it's baked into our DNA that the fourth quarter comes and we take bad shots and we make bad decisions." And that's really what doomed Minnesota. The fact that they just didn't play smart basketball down the stretch. Also, the fact that Brandon Clark for the Grizzlies was fantastic in the clutch, particularly on the offensive glass. Grizzlies made enough plays to win. I don't think that you hold it against the Grizzlies that they needed six to win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is a Timberwolves team. I'm here to tell you they're going to be a problem in the Western Conference for years to come. Unless something crazy happens, they're going to be back in the playoffs next year. They may even be a team that is top six. And doesn't need to play in tournament in order to get into the postseason. Hey, they may even become a top four seed and have home court in the first round. The future is very bright for this team. I really like what Chris Finch has done. Um, Patrick Beverly has created a situation where you've got the players more accountable to one another and to the coaches. And that was something that had really been missing. When you had Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns together, you didn't have that, that veteran presence to demand accountability, and guys could kind of go and, and, and do their own thing. And that was why for so many years I would look at the Minnesota Timberwolves and i said, this team should not be this bad because certainly they had the talent. 
And, and now they have the talent, and I think that they have the leadership both on and off the court where I think that they're going to be a good basketball team. So credit to the Minnesota Timberwolves. You guys played your butts off. Uh, hats off to you. Made it a very, very tough series. Uh, but again, I, I think if, if people are going to ding the Grizzlies that it took them six games to beat Minnesota, let's remember, since January the 1st, Minnesota was the most offensive, efficient team in the NBA after being 23rd through the end of the month, uh, at the end of the calendar year, I should say. Uh, they came on, they played really good basketball, and uh, they were more than a worthy opponent. Uh, Petey's point number two, uh, we'll, we'll talk quickly, and, and, and we do touch on this uh, with Jared Greenberg, the flagrant foul penalty to Draymond Green. Um, you know, just, just looking at social media and, and seeing the persecution complex from, from some Golden State fans, uh, you know, that, that Draymond, you know, this, why, why did you throw him out? We had, and, and of course, you know, we're watching the in-house feed and, and you see that there's a swing of the right arm, there is contact to the head, and then there is a grab of the jersey that pulls Brandon Clark to the ground. Flagrant foul penalty one is unnecessary contact. Flagrant foul penalty two is unnecessary and excessive. Okay. That's the criteria. When that's the rule book wording, I should say. Now, what officials are instructed to look for when you get a flagrant foul, there is wind up by the defensive player, there is contact to the head and neck area, there is follow through, and potential for injury. Okay, those are the, those are the four prime criteria for a flagrant foul. Well, you look at the play. Green winds up, goes to block the shot, swings his, his arm uh, into the face of Brandon Clark, and then while Clark is still airborne, grabs the neckline of his jersey and pulls him down to the ground. The two separate acts are what resulted in a flagrant foul penalty too. If you think all of a sudden, and look, I know that people are going to say, well, remember Bill Lane Beer and Larry Bird in the 80s and 90s, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Look, look. This is the way the game is played now. This is the way it's officiated now. This is the way the rule book is written. There's contact to the head and neck, and then he pulls him down by the jersey, pulls him down to the ground. There is high potential for injury if you are going to pull an airborne player down by his jersey onto his front. To me, this was pretty clear a flagrant foul penalty too. Uh, but yet... You know, people are saying, well, the Grizzlies were in the game simply because of the officials, because they threw Draymond Green out. Silly. But what is interesting is that Draymond Green has to mind his manners here because there are flagrant foul penalty points that are assigned based on a flagrant foul penalty one or penalty two. He's got to be careful. Won't be suspended for game two, but there are flagrant foul penalty points that will roll forward and that if he commits more flagrant fouls, the possibility of a suspension, a one-game suspension, does exist. Finally, number three, and I, I broached this question with, with Jared as well. Uh, I had a, uh, was listening to uh, satellite radio on, on the way home from the game uh, on Sunday, and one of the national radio hosts was saying, this would be a short series. Golden State, clearly better team, maybe a sweep, certainly not a long series. Memphis blew their opportunity. And there, there, there's some truth in that. I mean, Morant, you would expect him to make that. Then again, you would have expected Clay Thompson to make a couple of free throws. Look, it's going to be a competitive series. 
I don't know that you can say based on yesterday's result that the Grizzlies did not win when Clay Thompson shot three of 10 from three and Draymond Green only played 17 minutes because he was ejected with the flagrant foul penalty too. Um, I don't know that you can use game one to say, well, this is going to be a blowout for Golden State. I, I think that that is probably selling the Grizzlies short. I think it's selling the series short as well. So I, I still think this is a, a six-game series, and I really think that Golden State's playoff experience, the fact that they do have a championship pedigree, I think that gives them an edge in this series, and we'll talk about that with Jared Greenberg as well. So um, the thought that this is going to be a, a, a walkover for Golden State simply because the Grizzlies couldn't beat Golden State when Draymond Green was out of the lineup and Klay Thompson wasn't shooting well, uh, I think that sells short the fact that Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain combined for 17 points on Sunday on 6 of 23 shooting and 3 of 13 from 3. Now, look, I don't think Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to go 33 and 10 again. I'm not sure that Jaw's going to go 34 and 10 with three steals and nine rebounds. But I'd be willing to bet you that Dylan and Desmond aren't going to shoot as poorly as they did in game one. There's still a lot more of the series to be played. One last thing big tip of the cap to DeAnthony Melton 14 points, seven boards, three steals off the bench after he was out of the rotation at the end of the Minnesota series. This is a guy who stayed ready when his number was called. He was productive. Every playoff series requires a different set of adjustments, a different set of rotations, different set of matchups. Matchup didn't work in Minnesota. It, it may well work here with Golden State. I think it's a better matchup for the Grizzlies as a team. I think it's a better matchup overall for DeAnthony Melton. And uh, we'll wait and see what the health and protocol situation is with Steven Adams to see what happens in game two. We'll talk a little bit about game two. We'll talk about, of course, game one with Jared Greenberg as our friend of the program in a moment. But first, we tell you that the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook. They're an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Now, if you're looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs, well, with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, just like that, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Now, right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs, and you will get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado or New Hampshire, 1-800-522-4700. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY which is 467-369. In Oregon, visit opgr.org. 
in Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. You must be 21 or older, 18 or older in the state of Wyoming. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. All right. He uh, has been with the NBA on TNT and NBA TV for a number of years. He is one of the most well-connected of the uh, NBA sideline reporters. You see him on NBA TV. You will see him on the sidelines in the Grizzlies Warriors series, working the uh, series with uh, Ian Eagle and Jim Jackson. He is a repeat friend of the program and a personal friend as well. Always love talking to Jared Greenberg. Jared, uh, on the drive back from the arena yesterday, I was listening to a national radio host say, well, this will be a very short series. Memphis blew the biggest opportunity they could have had. Uh, Draymond Green gets ejected. Clay Thompson has a bad day shooting, misses two free throws, and Memphis still couldn't win. They say this is going to be over in four, maybe five games. Um, was I know yesterday was a missed opportunity for Memphis, but does it really point out that uh, Golden State's going to make this a short series? Well, I think two things can be true, Pete, and I, <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love chatting with you. Thanks for having me on. Um, I, I think, number one, I think it, it was a massive missed opportunity for, for the Grizzlies. And I, I think the other part of it, too, is, is is Jaron Jackson going to have another one of those games, right? I think that combined with Draymond not being there was was massive. Uh, but I, I don't necessarily think it's indicative of, of the way the series is going to go. I mean, I, I would make the argument that I think the Warriors will win. Sorry, Grizzlies fans. But... I think that the Grizzlies are capable of make this and making this an interesting series. I think number one, we've seen the Grizzlies play from behind, so to count them out would would be foolish and would would show us that we've forgotten recent history. And then number two, like as good as the Warriors have been at times in Game One, and as good as they have been at times against the Nuggets, they're still learning who they are. They put out lineups yesterday that literally, Pete, played zero seconds together throughout the course of the year. So the the Warriors are not clicking at full throttle right now where you can just feel so confident. I, I, I do think ultimately the Warriors are going to be the NBA champion. I think they are that good. I don't think they're at championship level just yet. And it's going to take maybe another series to get there. And and I think you know the the, the Grizzlies are, are are not that far off where they can win one or two games or even three games in this series. Yeah, and and it's true. I don't think you can count on Jaron Jackson Jr. to have that type of a game again. John Morant, I think you can. Yeah. But the thing that we talked about on our post game show on Valley Sports Southeast was you don't expect Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks, your two scoring wings, to have as poor a game as they did. Uh, Jaron may not be, you know, 30-plus points good in Game 2, but I can't imagine that that Bain and Brooks will be uh, as off as they were in Game 2. And I think that was as big a thing as anything for the Grizzlies. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I wonder, too, if, like, you know, the, the Warriors make you work defensively unlike any team we have seen in a really long time, maybe, maybe ever, uh, just with their constant ball and man movement. And, and I just wonder if it takes a game – 
to kind of remind Desmond and Dylan how much effort they're going to have to spend defensively. And if that took something out of them on the offensive end, I would imagine, as you're saying, they're going to get acclimated, get adjusted and be back to who we know they're going to be. But if they're not, I, I would certainly look towards the defensive end um, on, on just how much energy it takes to play that end of the court against Golden State. Yeah, because Golden State, I think, led the league in hockey assists, okay, the pass that leads to the assist. And you have to have multiple defensive efforts against a, a team that is seemingly in perpetual motion. And what I found most striking about yesterday's game, Jared, was the fact that the Grizzlies normally dominate in the paint, but this was a much better paint effort by Golden State. I mean, Grizzlies, I think, were minus 12 in the paint. You don't see that very often, and I think that that was uh, was a big thrust of, of what Steve Kerr wanted to do with his team yesterday. Well, I mean, I, I remember looking at the box score at one point in the first quarter, and the Grizzlies were dominating the rebounding. Like, I feel like they were plus eight, plus nine, maybe even double figures in, in rebounding. And then, like the second half happened, and the the script got totally flipped. Like, and and obviously, I think putting Looney in there was a big part of it for the Warriors, who is one of their better rebounders. Obviously, Draymond's their best, uh, but they just they, they seem to have a different approach to how they wanted to play the game in the second half. And certainly, the way Steph Curry came out in the third quarter, I thought was huge. And Jordan Poole continues his massive coming out party here in the postseason. Did you have a chance to talk to Jordan or, or, or listen in on his postgame presser and what he had to say? Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? It's so weird. Um, Pete, I know you're a guy who, who likes himself a good stat, but with, with Jordan, his splits this year are freaky. It's weird. The guy during the regular season, averaged almost eight more points per game when he started than when he came off the bench. So yesterday, the Warriors totally changed their lineup, put a lineup out there we haven't ever seen. And Jordan comes off the bench, not effective in the first half. Draymond gets thrown out. Gary Payton's in foul trouble. Clay Thompson's in foul trouble. Poole starts the second half. And now he plays like a starter and goes out there and tortures the Grizzlies in the second half of the game. So it's just it's it's like a mindset thing with him where he just he 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 plays better as a starter. And I think it's something that that Steve Kerr, like I spoke to Steve Kerr about this in the first round when they knew they were going to eventually bring Steph Curry back into the starting lineup. They didn't know what to do with Jordan Poole because the obvious move is to have him come off the bench. He's he would become one of the lethal, you know, uh, six men in, in the playoffs and one of the most lethal with six men in the playoffs. But they, they worried about whether it's his confidence. He, he doesn't have a confidence issue, but it's no. like a psyche <laughs> and an approach. Right. Um, but he he yesterday was just feeling it. He was uh, he's he, he's fun to watch, man. Not 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 for the Grizzlies. He's not fun to watch, but for a basketball fan, he's fun to watch. Yeah, and Steve Kerr in his pregame presser talked about the work that he put in. Oh my goodness! And and so you know, definitely you you tip the cap to him, just as you would to Desmond Bain, who was who was big in the offseason. For the Grizzlies to to get a split at home and avoid going to San Francisco 0-2, what, what's the biggest thing in game two? I, I think it's the Grizzlies being the Grizzlies, you know. Um, but I also think, too, and Pete, you'd be better equipped to answer this, like there, there becomes at this point in the season a comfort in how you win games. And what would scare me for the Grizzlies is they have this comfort in falling behind and coming back and winning. 
on one hand, it's great. Like you're never out of a game, but at what point does that get too comfortable and, and hurt you? You know? So I would turn this question to you and be like, how can they change? They, they've got to play to their identity and be who they are. And Jaws got to be aggressive, getting to the paint, getting to the rim, not settling. Did, did you notice yesterday the first 11 shots of the game were all three-pointers? Right, and right. Listen, the Grizzlies are a good three-point shooting team. They have plenty of guys who can shoot. But there are no rim protectors in this series until Steven Adams plays. Go attack the paint, right? Like, go, go, make, go make the refs blow their whistle and get to the free-throw line. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a great point. I know Brevin and I were sitting next to each other during the game. And we're like, what what's going on here? Why why why? And really, both teams shooting threes. I mean, it became a three point shooting contest. And I understand sometimes when when the crowd is really jacked, as it was in game one, and will be in game two, and it, and it's going to be the same for Golden State when we go to San Francisco. But it's it's almost like the three point shot becomes as effective as a slam dunk as getting the crowd involved. And so there was almost like a, Hey, let's make some threes and get the crowd involved and, and really start rolling. But, but to your point, I, I agree. I think where the Grizzlies, where they get off the rails a little bit is when they rely on the three point shot. Now, fortunately for the Grizzlies, um, Ja was hitting threes, which, you know, typically he, he struggles with, but then Desmond Bain wasn't. So no, I, I, I like the attack and, and you bring up Steven Adams and I don't know what his status is, with health and safety protocols, uh, was not a factor in the Minnesota series. Assuming that he is available to the Grizzlies, can Steven Adams be an impact player in this series? Listen, I I think a thousand percent. And I, I you know I know we're light years away from Golden State versus OKC and some epic epic playoff battles. I, I understand that that not only was a long time ago, but Steven Adams is a is an older man and a different player. But there has to be some without without getting out of your game, without getting the Grizzlies doing something that they don't do. I want to see at some point this series, Stephen Adams and Draymond Green battle, right? Like Stephen Adams, he's got to have it somewhere in his noggin that shot to the man region that he took from Draymond back in the playoffs back in 2016. Like that's and if there's one guy that's capable of getting in Draymond's head, I would think other than Draymond Green himself, <laughs> well is, said. Steve, is, is Steven Adams. And listen, based on everything I'm hearing and, and talking with people with the league office this morning, it does not sound, Pete, like Draymond Green's flagrant is getting downgraded to a, a one or a common foul. It, it appears, as of taping this podcast, that it is going to stand as a flagrant too. This has got to be a major concern moving forward for however long the playoffs run for Draymond Green. Because if he receives two more flagrant foul points, either two ones or another flagrant two, not only is he out for that game he gets kicked out of, he is then automatically suspended for the next game, which is just wild. Draymond has – listen, he's not going to play cautious, but there he's got to be a little careful here. Yeah, w- without a doubt. When – we looked at the replays, the in-house replays. It was pretty clear that that was a flagrant two. And I know that people in, you know, I know the national national broadcast, like, well, why did, why did you throw them out? Wind up, contact to the head and neck, and then a pull down of an airborne player by the jersey. No, I, I would agree with you. I've not talked to anybody in the league office, but I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine that gets downgraded. In, in in any way, shape, or form, because you have an airborne player and somebody's right. pulling on his jersey to pull him down. Um, 
you know, I, yeah. it, it has, has to stand as flagrant too. I, I would imagine. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the other Western series. I know that you're assigned to this series, so you're really close to it, but, but what about Phoenix and Dallas? Uh, it, does, does Dallas have, a puncher's chance against Phoenix, or are we headed toward a Phoenix Golden State Western Finals? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what a lot of us kind of, not that we're rooting for, but, you know, at those that epic battle would be fun to see. But, yeah, I mean, if you have not paid attention to Luca, like, and especially your, your audience, your listeners and viewers um, who understand the excitement of Ja, like, that's what Luca is in Dallas. Um, he is an electrifying player. He is capable of taking over not just a game, but a series. And, and the fact that, that Devin Booker is beaten up a little bit, listen, they're a very complete team. And we saw in, in the previous round how good, not just defensively, but offensively, Mikael Bridges can be. Um, you know, obviously, Phoenix is more well-rounded. They have that experience, that prior knowledge of, of, of getting to the NBA Finals last season. But I don't think this is a walkover by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I think that's what makes this year's playoffs so fun is that I think all four second rounds are eventually going to be bloodbaths. And, and I think that because we don't have this anointed team to beat, even though the two teams that went to the NBA finals are still alive, we don't have that consensus team to beat this year that it makes it really unpredictable. And I think these are going to be long series. Yeah, the, this is as wide open, I think, as, as we've had it in a while because, you know, Golden State during their run, presumptive they're going to make the finals. Right. Obviously, any team with LeBron, presumptive right. they're going to make the finals, except for this year, of course. I want to circle back to, to the Grizzlies-Golden State series. For one, one, one final question, Jared. You've obviously visited with both teams, visited with both coaches. The last time these teams met in the playoffs, you had Clay, you had Steph, you had Draymond. The Grizzlies didn't have any of these guys they have now. So it's it's a different cast of characters for the Grizzlies. Same cast for Golden State. The playoff experience for Golden State is off the charts. The playoff experience for the Grizzlies, relatively, relatively meager. Do you see that as playing a huge role in how this series plays out? I would say yes, but I would also caution anybody who's just going to think that because the Warriors have all this experience, they're going to run over the Grizzlies. Because I would say, as we saw yesterday, and as Steve Kerr clearly struggled with yesterday, trying to figure out his lineup and rotations, is while he has those three, Clay, Draymond, and Steph, he's also got another group of guys who are arguably less experienced than the Grizzlies are in postseason basketball. The Jordan Pools, the Jonathan Kumingas, um, you know, played Damian Lee yesterday, which nobody saw coming right right um, or, or or gp2 or, or right thank you gp2 exactly so you know the warriors are doing something that's really unheard of in in today's construction of a roster of winning now with veterans who have been there and done that while they're trying to pull along another group of really important guys to them um and and let's you know I know a lot of Grizzlies fans were excited to see Andre Iguodala in this series at some point, but I'm here to tell you, he's going to miss not only yesterday's game, but he's going to miss much more of this series. And I can tell you before the injury to Iguodala, the Warriors were truly counting on him, whether they were going to play Memphis or Minnesota, they knew defensively they needed him. And yesterday we saw 
moments where Iguodala would have played a role. And the fact that he's not available and may not be available is massive because that means throwing a guy like a Jonathan Kuminga into a situation that the Warriors thought maybe they were a year away from having to throw him into. So I think that, yes, that, that, that experience, that corporate knowledge that Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich speak of is vital for Curry, Clay, and Draymond. But don't just put that as a blanket over the whole roster because there's plenty of other guys who are going to play big moments that, again, have less big game experience than Ja, Jaron, Dylan, and Desmond. Jared, I really appreciate the visit. It's, it was great to connect with you yesterday in game one. We'll talk to you before game two, and uh, we'll be in touch as the series rolls on. Hey, listen, you better tell your partner. He's been ducking me at the arena. He texts me and says, I'm in one location. I go there. I can't find him. You tell Brevin Knight, my fellow Jersey guy, my, my Jersey guy, that he better show his face in game two. Yeah, I, I will I will pass the message on, but remember he's a former player, which means he shows oh. up when he wants to show up. I yeah, think well, when, when his eighteen gets over or thirty-six, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> at least at least at least thirty-six, except I think there's a prediction for rain. I will definitely deliver the message. Thank you. All right. So we have a first on the Grizz Weekly Grind. Brevin Knight has been called out. I will have to uh as soon as I uh Stop recording. I think I'll uh, have to hit him up on text and uh, let him know that Jared Greenberg is looking for him. And uh, it's, it's always it's always fun. We would talk to Jared. Uh, Jared is a big fan of our telecasts. And uh, so he he gets to hear a lot from us throughout the course of the season. And I think he just wanted to tell Brevin just how much he appreciated the broadcasts. Um in any event, uh, as everybody knows, uh, no local telecasts are allowed in the second round uh, in the NBA playoffs. However, however, uh, post-game coverage right after the final horn on Bally Sports Southeast. Uh, we would have had a walk-off interview if Jod hit that game winner. We would have had a walk-off interview, but um, home games, it will be Chris Vernon along with Rob Fisher, Brevin Knight, and myself. And then uh, on road games, uh, I will slide into the studio as well. Uh, we will not travel. Uh, we'll be working uh, remotely from Memphis uh, for games three and four, and if there is a game six in San Francisco. But uh, Grizzlies lose game one. We will visit again later this week, and uh, we'll recap game two and talk a little bit about games three and four. This has been the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. Our thanks to Jared Greenberg for stopping by, and our thanks, as always, for the continued support of Hoop City Basketball Club and DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.